Welcome everyone to episode 34 of Popcorn Peeps, the podcast in which we venture through the Hollywood Reporter's top 100 films of all time and give our thoughts along the way. In this episode, we will be discussing James Cameron's Avatar, released in 2009. This film stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Lang, Michelle Rodriguez, and Sigourney Weaver. Today I'm joined by pterodactyl rider Sarah Alexander. I see you. Unobtainium's primary investor, Craig Moore. That would be a great deal. I should buy now. And the skong, Chris McMullen. I've already forgotten what that means. <laughs> it means moron oh. in the Navi tongue. Slam them. Oh. Did we ever learn she... that? Yes, you do learn that. All right, folks. What did you think of Avatar? It was not bad. I actually liked it more than I remembered. I wasn't bored. It was a good watch. I fell asleep through a little bit in the middle. Um, it uh, was much longer than it needed to be. We call that pulling a Chris. Sarah, is this the first time you fell asleep during any of our movies? Yes. Ooh, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. I actually enjoyed this more in my rewatch in 2022 than I did in 2010 or 2011. And uh, that's not to say it's a great film. I think the narrative structure is way too basic to call it one of the greatest films of all time. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch. By that midpoint, I mean, I was invested in the tree. I was invested in the Na'vi. And uh, hey, I mean, that's not too shabby. Although I am convinced that Jake Sully deserting his own people to live amongst the Na'vi is simple and James Cameron is secretly a closet weeb who wishes to forsake his own culture and live in Japan and watch anime and read bento books. Where is this coming from? That's a lot of transference there. I think we're getting a lot of intro vision inside (laughs) Jordan right now. He forsakes his own culture, abandons them to live amongst the people. Wait till you see Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what in this made you think Japanese? It's the parallel because James Cameron was inspired by Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke to create the ecology of Pandora. There you go. That's what we were looking for. We were. <laughs> I was getting there. I was just getting attacked. <laughs> Next stop, Shibuya. You know what? I wish that you had started when you wanted to. And I was just coming in now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this movie was... Uh... It was an interesting movie, but this is a story we've already heard a thousand times. They didn't do anything new with the storytelling here. And if you watched this movie when it first came out, which I imagine most people did, it was the best-selling film of all time, or highest box office of all time. Maybe it is again. I, I really don't remember. But a lot of people saw it. And when it first came out, it was state of the art right? It was incredible. You could tell that they were going to great lengths to show you things that could be done with film that could have never been done before. My problem is now watching it in 2022, I'm like, holy shit, there's like an hour of looking at computer generated vistas that don't look any better than any other movie is doing right now. Yeah. Which is, which says something impressive because they did this 10 years ago or whenever the hell it came out. And so it looks really good, but it looks average by today's standards. Yeah. I remember seeing this in theater and my mind was blown and I was like, this is the sickest movie I've ever seen. So I was excited to rewatch this. And then just the hour training montage in the middle. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like this would have been more entertaining if it was, I didn't watch it in 3D on the rewatch, but I didn't live up to the height that I remembered in my head. The the 3D is was amazing. That's why it was when you watch it again, it's too long because there was a lot of time in the in the theater where they're like the flying and stuff was awesome, and now you're just like, um, okay. am I watching a cutscene? Yes. Can I? Yeah. You know, exactly. Can I 
fucking skip this cuts skip yeah. cutscene yeah. cuts <laughs> smashing x trying to skip cutscene when it came down to ranking this one that's what i i thought i'm like the battles are really fun to watch but a great narrative and great storytelling will hold itself forever but if you, even if you're state of the art even if you're bleeding edge you will eventually become commonplace and that's just what happened here so well none of the effects looked bad there was a little bit of weird interfacing between some of the softer textures but like visually this is still very very impressive but not enough to really elevate it above everything else because it, as i said the story it's too predictable you know exactly where the narrative is going and so well the world is cool and it pulls you in and the world as a character is so much fun to explore and pull the layers back once you're about 25 minutes in you can basically write the story yeah. and you'll be 99 percent yeah. right it's it's lawrence of arabia it's dune it's Fern Gully, it's stranger in a strange land, right? It's just, I'm a guy who's not from here. Now I'm going to fall in love with the place and, and betray my people, so to speak, to defend the natives. Another white savior. Oh, I wrote that down. Oh. <laughs> I will say, though, even though the effects have aged and they still look good, what really does help the film stand the test of time is the cool world design. So you've got this lush jungle, but when the, the sun goes down, that's when it gets really cool. That's when there's a lot of artistic flair. You get this really vibrant bioluminescence in all of the creatures. It looks similar to the way that uh, the Halo creators designed their monsters. It's a lot of like armored variations of mutated animals, but they have these streaks of neon orange and, and yellow and green to really make them feel alien and exciting. And even though that the effects have become more commonplace, like seeing those pterodactyls is still really cool. All the patterns, the spikes, the, the design, the artistry of it is still all great. The problem I have with that though, is it makes it everything, it makes everything feel kind of almost kind of shallow in that we spend three fucking hours just world building. Oh, it's shallow. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, you're just teaching me that it, we got cool plants and we got cool animals and there's all kinds of cool stuff in this world and they, they never really do anything with that. And then the story's over. And I guess there's supposed to be more movies that are going to come out 35 years from now when James Cameron figures out how to give us laser 4D vision or something like that. But... For now, of the three-hour runtime, they spent like two hours building this great big world and then didn't do anything with it. Yes, except destroy it. And I don't know that I needed it built out for two hours to get that that's a shitty thing to do. I will say, though, even though the movie is predictable, it did enough right that by the midpoint, I was still really invested in protecting the Navi people, <clears throat> rooting against the big bad. Did you care about any of this world or was were there no stakes for any of you guys? I mean, yeah, you can care because it's like, yeah, it's an awful thing to do. So I don't think that that's what the story necessarily did well, because I think that's just the common reaction to it when you portray it that way. I don't think that they needed to take as long as they did. Yeah, there was never a point where I had any kind of inner turmoil or inner conflict where I was like, wow, I really feel for the colonialists. Oh boy, do I really feel, am I really understanding why the imperialists are here to get this rock and they're willing to destroy an entire civilization and dig up sacred sites? I understand the plight of the wealthy man in this discussion. Like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. That wasn't an interesting story. It was bad guy doing bad shit and innocent good people trying to defend their homes. No, no, no. This was fine, just misexecuted. There's a lot of potential there. So what they talk about is how Earth is drained 
drained of its resources and they need the unobtainium to basically sustain life back on Earth. And so if you if you split and you get a perspective of what Earth is like at this desolate wasteland without this energy source, then you can build a big bad that is more empathetic, more relatable. If he's not just like a military goon. They did it to themselves. But but he said straight up, we, we just care about the shareholders. We care about the quarterly statements. Like they weren't there to try and save the planet. You got to rework that. <laughs> I didn't, I did not get the vibe that unless I missed something where they stated it, this was just a scumbag corporation. The, the earth was actually fine. I don't know. I don't think the earth is fine. I don't know if the earth was fine because, because Jake said at one point, like they killed their mother. They destroyed their planet. Don't let them do the same here. When he was praying to Awa saying like they destroyed their planet. They're going to do the same to you. You've got to fight back. And so there was that discussion. You could argue that we've already destroyed this planet. Like it's not really like I'm, I didn't picture apocalypse on the other side. I pictured slightly worse than it is today. Maybe New York's underwater. I just think there's a lot of potential here. And if you lean into that dystopia, I think you can create two sides of a conflict that you can at least understand where they're coming from instead of a cartoon good versus evil, light versus dark that we got, which was really shitty. I mean, your villains were terrible. You had this big bad military dude who's like, I'm gonna be evil for the sake of being evil. And then you have this fucking little shrill little necktie wearing Ben Shapiro looking ass. who's like, oh, I, need, I need some money. Hey, I need to go buy my, uh, my, my second investment property back on earth (laughs) chris my impression was that the earth was kind of like do androids dream of electric sheep world where because it's a spacefaring civilization and like the rich people got out but the poor people are stuck there and the unobtainium was basically just something used by the wealthy to do wealthy people shit you know it's a rich people problems right (laughs) so that was my impression was the earth was fucked and only poor people lived there yeah I googled it to see and it says that yeah it was a lot of it was destroyed and then they began to grow sea farms of edible algae and that's what most people would have lived on and then a lot of it was destroyed by significant intercontinental conflict where Jake Sully was paralyzed and that's where this energy crisis this is bad storytelling if they spent three <laughs> hours trying to tell us this story and you just had to Google what the story was. That's bad <laughs> storytelling. Like, I'm sorry, James Cameron, this is a wildly successful film, but jeez. I mean, that could have been the part I fell asleep. It was pretty obvious to me. So this was super heavy-handed. I think that's the, the only way to describe it. This was meant for someone who's never seen it, had any sci-fi concepts ever, and doesn't get subtlety. So they just whacked everyone over the head with this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the themes of the, the film were good, like the idea of exploring colonialization and imperialism. But again, like, there's no subtlety. There's no nuance. You have the conflict with the unobtainium, and then you have the fact that they're setting up schools to teach them English. Like, as you said, Chris, bonk you mm-hmm. over the head with our symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this film honestly just feels like a worse version of 2018's Annihilation. The cool parts of this movie are the environment and the monsters and whatnot. And 
you get all of that with Annihilation as they walk into this zone where everything's being corrupted and mutated and it's all of these weird bio-organic monsters and whatnot, but you have a structure or a story around that that's interesting and compelling that really brings you in from all sides, whereas this had the cool monsters and the setting, but nothing beyond that. I like to think if this list was made in 2018 or 2020, you would almost just give Avatar's spot to Annihilation. I'm going to say something positive about this movie, because we've been, we've been talking a lot of shit about it. One thing I really did like about this film was the way that it told its narrative through Jake's journals. All the narration was Jake talking about today I woke up and we did this. I've been training like this and this is starting to get easier. I'm starting to get more in tune with nature and I understand how the forest is working. We'll see what happens next week. And then we see some, some scenes where things are happening in real time. And then when it's time for a big act or scene change, we go back to being introduced to what's going on by Jake's journal entry. And I thought that was a really good way to tell the story, keep the story going, and keep the audience moving along with the tale without just having a ton of fucking dialogue forcing the scenes to change. No, that was good. The only problem with that is I just, Jake Sully is like a turbo douche. I just hated him as a lead. What? Like... Um, let me go through some of my complaints chronologically. Okay. He only listens to the the uh, military dude. He's like this bootlicking dog, but has no respect for any of the researchers. The first thing he does is take their $30 billion avatar suit and goes on a joyride with it, ignoring everything. I'm like, have you no... That pissed me off too. You built up this character to respect authority, and then he just stops respecting authority because it's not some guy with a gun. It's a researcher with a notebook. Uh, two, he continues to provide information even after he's invested in becoming part of the Navi cult or the culture. And he fucks Natiri when he knows the next day they're gonna be bulldozers there. And just, he doesn't think to be like, oh, maybe I will probably, maybe I will warn the people. No, I'm gonna fuck your princess and then tell you because I'm a sleazy piece of shit. <laughs> I never said that Jake was a good guy. I just hated him. I did have a lot of problems with, with Jake. So, one thing that that you touched on which is important is the guy the guy's a former marine right taking orders has been drilled into his skull he can't not take orders he's been conditioned to do it until one day he's he's in a new body and someone says okay now like wiggle your toes now sit up and he's taking orders like a good little marine and then all of a sudden just goes you know what i'm kind of bored of being a marine i'm just gonna do whatever i want now like, where the hell did that come from? It was just inconsistent. He's like, I'm fucking blue. I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. Time to fucking... <laughs> yeah. I get he was excited because all of a sudden he had working legs again. So I tried to chalk it up to that. But I'm, at the same time, it's still like, then just stand up. Like, you don't have to take sure. off into the woods. <laughs> Let me flex on these guys with my big carbon fiber <laughs> legs. Another problem I had with Jake was... It was kind of the same problem I had with Maximus. Is I actually felt like he didn't have a lot of character. And a lot of movies do that with the main character because they want you to imprint yourself on the character. But what ends up happening is the character just seems shallow and along for the ride. And I really felt that in this movie. He did have, you know, he obviously had played significant parts in the film, but it never really felt like he was impactful or a memorable character. I think Natiri was a much more memorable character than Jake was. Jake Sully as a protagonist does more damage on my enjoyment of this film than the super predictive narrative. Yes, I get we can learn about the world through Jake and that's cool, but we could also learn as much through the world uh, if we were following Adolf Hitler. It doesn't mean he's a good character. You guys ready to get Popcorn Peeps canceled with this statement I'm going to make? Yeah. 
Yes. He's just an arrogant asshole. A story featuring Adolf Hitler as a main character <laughs> would be very interesting. I'm ju I'm just saying, you can learn about the world through anyone. It he's just like the worst teacher ever. Like, yeah, you're teaching me about history, but like, you're kind of an ass. And every time you do anything, I roll my eyes. And like, it's hard to self-insert on a character that you just detest. Like, you can make a detestable character, and that's fine. There are great characters you hate, uh, a la Commodus. But this was not done well. We hated Commodus? If I was supposed to hate him, I don't even think I was supposed to hate him. I think I was supposed to like him and like the way he kind of rebels against his institution, but I just didn't. But he rebels against problems he himself caused, and that's that's the problem. Yes. He causes all these problems, and then, then he's like, but fuck the system. Like, you're the system. You created the system. You did this. And now you're like, fight the power. Let's all unite to save the people from the problem I caused. <laughs> and now I'm a hero and everybody loves me. Like, guardian angel syndrome much? What did you guys think of Natiri? Fine. Yeah, fine. I like Natiri. I thought she had a, a lot of good attitude. I have used a portion of my, no, all of my cunning to develop a list of the hottest blue people of all time for a game of Mary Fuck Kill. Okay. Stop. We have Natiri. Mystique from X-Men and Smurfette from the Smurfs. I got mine. Mary Smurfette, I'd probably fuck Natiri and then I would kill Mystique. Too volatile. You have to kill Mystique. She's a fucking wild card. Too volatile. I completely agree, Sarah. Kill Natiri, fuck Smurfette, marry Mystique. Oh my god. That's the only order. I don't know. I don't know enough about about Smurfette really to, to make this call, but the Smurfs is, is, you know, she's probably a pretty sweet character, I imagine, because it's the Smurfs, right? That's what I'm going. Yeah, I would assume so. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna marry Smurfette because she probably just treats me real good. Exactly. Right? She's like, I'm her husband, she loves me. She's gonna treat me good. Um But she also has another ninety nine husbands. Good for her. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying you need to factor. You don't know our relationship, Chris. <laughs> Why are you judging? I'm not. I'm just saying you need to factor that in. She's closed those doors to bring Craig into her life. She found the one. I think maybe you like you got. Look, Mystique's a babe, but she's too crazy, dude. You can't put your dick in crazy. You gotta kill Mystique and fuck Natiri. You're living your life all wrong, my friend. <laughs> What is with Zoe Saldana just playing weird colored characters? Because she's also Gamora, I believe, from Guardians of the Galaxy, and she's like neon green. That's funny that she's almost been like- I'm okay with that. Shit disturbing aside, uh, I really like her. She's a little bit archetypal, but I like that she really has some oomph, and she fights back against authority. She stands up to uh, the, the leader of the tribe, as well as the spiritual leader, and the next in line to become um, clan leader. And she's assertive and she really is a great introduction to Pandora and to learn about all this cool stuff. Sully is annoying. I loved it when Natiri was in the lead and she was showing us everything. I liked it when Natiri was being mean to Jake and as soon as she fell in love with him, I hated that whole relationship. I was like, this is dumb. I don't even understand how they fell in love just by, they know nothing about each other. She just taught him stuff. <laughs> and then from that, he was into it. Like they didn't share what their passions, their hope, their their favorite color even was. I mean, you I know? can understand him being into her because she's a babe. It's blue, Sarah. It's blue. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. And that, I'm, it's supposed to be some great love story. This is vertigo syndrome where just the main characters have to fall in love because they're main yeah. characters. I didn't understand why she fell in love with him because they had nothing in common. She was a fox. And then she takes him back. 
after he betrays their whole clan because he caught a red dinosaur. Girl, you are so much better than this piece of shit. I don't care if he has a shiny Aerodactyl. Leave him. Shiny Leave Aerodactyl him. was good. I liked that. <laughs> we don't know how their brain their brain connection works. Maybe once they brain connect, they can't unbrain connect. I have no idea. <laughs> They're aliens. We don't know how it works. That, that whole thing was weird. The whole bonding felt super rapey to me. <laughs> it did. It totally you know what was weird did. to me is like, they do that with their horses. The interface, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of interesting, confusing stuff. But James yeah. Cameron, you might be riding horses wrong, <laughs> or or James Cameron is riding horses right. He's not. He's yeah. not. Scrub that from the podcast. Oh my god, he's editing this one too. You guys are so judgmental. If Chris was a Navi, he would just be running around with his little tingly ponytail, connecting it to fucking everything he could find. Trees, rocks. <laughs> She's swinging it like a lasso, throwing it a shit. I, I wish I had some <laughs> counterpoint to that, but I do not. My only significant complaint about the, the Navi is that when they talk, the subtitles are in papyrus, which is unequivocally the worst font ever created. Disagree. If you're going to use a shitty meme font, at least use Comic yeah. Sans. There's a couple of local businesses in London with Papyrus as their main font or logo on the front of their business. And I shake my head every time I see it. I'm like, for the love of God, you don't have to design your own typeface, but use something that isn't a fucking joke. Yeah, how am I supposed to take you seriously? Like, that's actually, I'm looking at your business and and what what am I supposed to do with this? Want to go buy something from you? Fuck off. Like, I understand when you're 12, you're like, oh, this font is so cool. And it's got all the swirly little weird little accents but like bro creating your own business have some respect for yourself pretend to be a grown-up i love papyrus i think there's an snl skit about that about the selection of papyrus for the avatar poster do you guys have a favorite font ariel uh, century gothic yeah that's a banger yeah i like ariel or that calibria any of the other characters you guys want to chat about yeah the main character that i liked was colonel quaritch i think was was his name that character was good as well acted. Fuck no. that guy. Yeah, that guy I know. He's a piece of shit. But he was well acted. He was, so, he he was, was the was... most one-dimensional character I've ever seen. You don't seen. think he was well acted? He was a fucking GI. He was a GI and he was looking for a war zone. He was just a man spoiling for a fight. It's so cartoony. Yes. You know it's a sci-fi. What? Okay, hold on. You guys are going to... This is where you're going to suspend your disbelief? We're in fucking cryostasis yes. around another planet yes. where a gas giant is in the sky and we got blue people that stick their dicks into animals and you're like, <laughs> mm, I don't know. That soldier wasn't <laughs> believable enough for me. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm exactly going to draw the line there, Craig. That's right. He was just a killmonger. He was a, a fucking cartoon. It was insulting from, like, soldiers. This is a guy from whom Dune was the greatest film he saw this year. He felt like a Marvel villain. It's like what Jordan brought up. So with Commodus, I thought that he was a great villain because we got his backstory. I need something more than just he's bad because he's bad. He's just following orders. I don't know. Like This guy just has a grudge. He got he showed up on Pandora. He got his face sliced open. And he was like, all right, fuck this planet. That's his backstory. Bad <laughs> shit happened to him. And he was like, fuck this place. Yeah, go home. Go home. Grow up. Fucking have a cigarette. Have a drink. Get on the fucking plane. He doesn't want to go home. He wants to fight back. That's who the guy is. The other thing I, that I think is really bizarre is that this is even slightly in the future, right? Like, I don't... It's like 2152 or something. Do we lose all sense of history <laughs> at that point? 
the one character I did like was uh, Judy, but maybe because she was from the Fast and the Furious and I got some, I don't know, some nostalgia. She was like the only soldier who I was like, finally, thank you. One person realizes that committing something that is a stone's throw from genocide is somehow <laughs> maybe wrong. Soldiers don't disobey orders. Soldiers do disobey orders. This is so obviously morally corrupt. I understand maybe if this is a threat to you, but this is going into someplace and then just obliterating people. There's no moral ambiguity about am I fighting a good fight? Is this worth fighting for? It's so obvious. And they're just like, all right, fire the payload. All right, straight face. Nothing wrong with this. Carry on business as usual, boys. You have to understand they probably yeah. don't view these people as people. If you want to try taught and remember. Taught them English. It, they no, speak no, English. No, no, Like five of them taught them English. The rest of them are soldiers oh with guns God. that have spent the last two years shooting at them. Going out with their big trucks, grabbing wheelbarrows and bucketfuls full of unobtainium and getting shot at by poison arrows. So they've just been massacring these people for years. And I imagine, you know, if you want to if you want to talk about history, Chris, let's talk about how imperialist and co colonial governments position the native people as less than human, not like us, just fodder. And that's that's exactly what I'm saying is like, would that still work? We can look throughout history and say unequivocally, the soldiers will not disobey orders. They'll take out a full magazine and kill as many natives as they can because that's what they were told to do. Yeah. If we didn't have like the glaring example of the Ukraine right now, I might maybe disagree with you, but you're probably right. They just make another mm -hmm. and then you exterminate the other. That's sad. Okay, let's let's go regardless of feasibility. It still feels shitty to watch. And not in like a good way. It just feels like a shallow, superficial way. I think we had made a comment about that earlier, about how it felt very surface level. Mm -hmm. And so even if this does happen, that's what it feels like. Anything else you guys want to chat about before we move on? I want a Pandoran dog so bad. You already have one. There's Cerberus and Nyx. They look just like them. To ride? Uh, okay, one, I'm not going to ride They're adorable. A dog. But I love those those yeah, Pandora but like, dogs. The the Pandora I love the Pandoran dogs and I'm like <gasps> Yeah, I want one too, man. I'm agreeing with you. But I think a Sholo is the closest you're gonna get on, on this planet. We've we've been griping on this movie a lot and I'm gonna hit you guys with one more. I wish they told us what unobtainium does. The fact that it's called unobtainium is like ah triggering me. It's like why why do you want it though? So that was actually a that was a joke inside of like NASA that actually isn't uh I, I did read why they called it. Um it's a, an incredibly dense source of energy that they needed for space travel. Cool, but like tell me that. They told us that in Dune. They did. They said it in the they said it in the movie. That's how I know. They did. Just the fact that they called it unobtainium felt like a placeholder name that they would have given it early in development and then just never came up with another name for it. I mean, I get it. Like, just call it M MacGuffinite. Well, that's like, what it That's what it feels like. But that's the joke throughout NASA and the, the whole aerospace community is that there is stuff that ends up getting called the funny name just because no one thinks to rename it afterwards. It, it's, it's, not a it's not a movie joke. It's an aerospace joke, but it's totally lost on everyone. It just sounds dumb. I mean, sure, but like you're creating something with mass market appeal. I don't know if how, I don't know if an inside joke is the way to go. Well, good point. Uh -huh. <laughs> All eight astronauts that watch this movie will think it's hilarious. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's so funny. Okay. It was the most successful film of all time. I don't like eight people got the joke. Cool. <laughs> We've been ragging on this movie, but 
I do have something very nice to say. This film soundtrack is fucking killer. The music was composed and conducted by James Horner, rest in peace, who also worked on Braveheart, strangely enough. But you have this rich, full orchestra. The drums are hitting hard, they get you hyped, and you have these really powerful Navi chants that bring this extra component of mystery and life to the music. I don't know, anything with chants just rustles my jimmies, it just gets me excited. Final Fantasy has a lot of like Latin in it and I hear it and I can literally feel my spine tingle. But like, I love this soundtrack. Tracks like Escape from Hellgate and War are the epitome of epic. One of the best soundtracks in any of the popcorn peeps films we've seen so far. Where would you rank the soundtrack? Oh. Uh, if, if it's not the best, it's among the best. It's probably top oh. three. Yeah. It's bombastic without being stereotypical or simple. It has a nuance. There's a lot of really clever composition. I don't know that anything stood out to me. I couldn't recall any sensation I got from the music. It had a good score. I wouldn't say that I would listen to the soundtrack. I think it might be one of those things that I'd listen to in the background if I was doing something else, but I wouldn't just sit there and like zone out and listen to the soundtrack, man. Okay, this is the what it's for. You're sitting down, it's nine o'clock. Your last term paper is due at midnight. The soundtrack's three hours long. You have three hours oh left to go on the, on the clock. You hit play. You got epic beats. You have reprieve. You have high octane moments. You're weaving in and out. You're up, you're down. The emotions, the sweat stripping down your brow. You're trying to hit that word limit. You're clickety clacking away. This would be so epic to have in the background. Two words, lo-fi. <laughs> No, that's when you have more than three hours to write. Lo-fi doesn't have the octane to get your blood pumping the way this does. Have you heard of Nine Inch Nails? I can't write when, I, when I'm listening to music with lyrics in it. My brain doesn't work that way. That's probably why Lo-fi is so popular is because you can kind of just like zone out to it or zen to it or whatever. Oh, I have my fact quick. So we have our actor, Martin Balsam, who's been in three movies so far, who is number one. But now we have an actress, Sigourney Weaver, who has been in three movies on our list. Can you name the three? Ghostbusters. This one. I don't know what the third is. Wally. Okay. Sneaky. She was the voice of Eve. Oh, I was oh, never going to get that. Oh, she was a computer that. voice. I was never going to get it. Nope, never. She's in another one that's coming up soon, too. And then are we going to see Avatar 2 when it comes out at the end of this year? If it does, a lot of things are getting pushed back, so. Funny. Let me read you what it says about Avatar 2 on the Hollywood Reporter list that we're following. The highest grocer of all time, which explains why three sequels that will start rolling out in December of 2016 will happen. Oh. 2016! Where's the sequels? <laughs> 2022 baby it's interesting that james cameron had the idea for avatar as early as the 90s but was just sitting there waiting for the technology to mature enough to the point where he could make it and make something he was proud of and so that's a that's a real long con to sit on something for almost 20 years but to not have a better story jar jar Binks says you are so so welcome <laughs> he was thinking about the cool blue people not what they were going to be doing no. sarah <laughs> like he had 20 years <laughs> Yeah, I hope the next one isn't all about technology. It's actually this, like, sorry, like film technology. I hope it's actually about story. Because there's, like, it's got great potential. Yeah, that was the downfall of this, What was they spent too much going, wow, look what I did with this new camera I invented. Yes. <laughs> and, and not enough time telling me a fucking story. But that's kind of his MO, right? Is, like, invent technology to make a movie that no one ever could before. We could complain all we want, but James Cameron will probably just say, look my balls, I made a billion dollars. Yeah, so. he doesn't care. <laughs> Mr. Cameron, if you're listening to this podcast, 
You're not. What am I talking about? Imagine he postpones the release of Avatar 2 after hearing our critique of the lack of storyline. <laughs> if you're following along with the YouTube video, there's a link in the top of the description to see where we've ranked the films we've seen so far. However, without further ado, Craig, where are you going to put Avatar amongst the films we've seen so far? Avatar was a incredibly, one might even say exceptionally average film in which nothing of note happened. So it's going smack near the middle of my list. The middlest of all films we've watched so far <laughs> in number 19 below Braveheart, but above all the president's men. I want to go next just because I put it at 23, also right below Braveheart. Hey, that's funny. And above Wally. -E. Uh, it's really fun to watch. These fight scenes are awesome. The technology holds up well but it's shallow and as a result it will not be an annual rewatch maybe once more if i ever go see avatar 3 down the line i might do a rewatch but other than that i wouldn't pop it in so when i was looking at this i was trying to think of why it made this list and it obviously has to be because of the technology so i looked at other films on this list technology wise i was thinking like lord of the rings uh, close encounters and pan's labyrinth and they all had a much better storyline and i think we're able to fuse the two together so because of that, I'm putting this in my 31st spot below Pan's Labyrinth, but above Seven oh. Samurai. Sure, it looks cool and it was visually pleasing to watch when I was awake for it, but yeah. like, you, you need something else to rely on than just the visual effects. You know, when you listen to shows and there's like that era of the show, are we entering the snarky Sarah arc? No. It's just, I hope so. Just God, I hope puppy so. Puppy training Sarah. Starting it off with an absolutely scathing review of Holy oh, Grail God. and a scathing review of Avatar. Next week, she's going to shit on Lion King. <laughs> Mufasa, you dumb this fucking, fucking idiot knows his brother's out to get him. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a cartoonish character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I guess I should rank it, eh? So I put it at number 19 as well. I thought that was kind of interesting. So for me, that is worse than Bonnie and Clyde, but better than Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings. Chris, what are we going to be watching in episode... Oh, I already spoiled you it. Spoiled what it. are we going to be watching in episode 35 of Popcorn Peeps? 1994 animated Disney classic, The Lion King. And you'll be surprised. Jordan, do you want to guess where you can watch it for uh, no extra cost? Disney Plus. You are correct. Oh, what are the odds? Wow, I can't believe you got that. I can't believe we're getting another animated Disney and there's still no fucking anime on this stupid list. Hey, Jordan, shut the fuck up. <laughs> this film was... <laughs> Fine. <laughs> oh, thank you, Craig. That was beautiful. Everybody's thinking it. I'm just saying it. <laughs> It's, it's good when other people say it than me. If you would like to support the show, you can do so on Patreon.com. There's a link at the top of the description as well as on PopcornPeeps.com. But without further ado, special thank you to Travis Laporte, Jim Wamsley, Ryan Saarinen, Frank Costa, Sarah Renier, Craig Lewis, Erica Wilson, and Buster Hyman. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.